welcome back to Movies You Missed. I am so glad you could join us this week as we continue on this week with Riley's pick. But welcome to all of you. Uh, everyone is here. Kat, JT, Daniel, and Riley. Welcome, everybody. Are JT and Daniel here? No one knows because they're never on camera. <laughs> J- JT's a bot, actually. I was going to say that sounded pretty botish to me. <laughs> I am here. Yeah, that's right. Not many people realize we actually edit in their voices after the fact. Uh, we just hold up, pick, hold up like cards. There's three lonely people that watch movies and want more people to watch. <laughs> <laughs> we've created, we've created the part of profiles. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the canned sitcom laughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm in the mood for a good laugh. So, Riley, why don't you tell us what movie you picked for us uh, to watch this week? A good laugh, yes. Um, I chose The Zodiac as my film. Uh, it's a 2007 mystery film, uh, true crime following the uh, the manhunt for the Zodiac Killer in uh, San Francisco. Um, it was uh, directed by David Fisher. Uh, it was based off of a screenplay that was written by uh, James Vanderbilt, which was then based off of a book written by uh, Robert Graysmith, who is uh, one of the uh, main characters in the movie as well. Um, this, this, uh, the movie stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, and Robert Downey Jr. Um, I, I chose this movie, I can't remember when I watched it first, um, but it was the first kind of movie of its style that I watched of sort of a true crime, uh, slightly dramatized type of film, um, and it sort of opened that kind of world to me this was sort of uh in the realm of when cat was sort of getting me into horror movies and stuff but like um yeah it was around that time i think but like i was still getting into them so like i wanted something that was like you know like along that line so like wasn't like you know i could also watch alone in my room without you know staying up all night with a knife um so, you know, these sort of true crime mystery ones where they like freak you out and they like make you question stuff the entire movie. Like, I don't know, I kind of fell in love with them and they were sort of, this was the first one that I watched. Uh, so it, it, it will always sort of be a staple in my mind. Um, and I really liked it. So that's sort of why I chose it. But uh, I would love to hear what other people have to say, good, bad or otherwise, about the film. So... I have to say otherwise. No, just 
boring. No, <laughs> no, it was good. It reminds me of those genres, like, well, not those genres, the genre of like Seven and Silence of the Lambs and The Bone Collector and all of that. So, so what you're telling me is that this is based on a true story that went into a screenplay, that went into a book, that went into a movie. So. Why did, so Robert, why did Robert go, Green, the the person that Jake Gyllenhaal played in the movie, yeah, the book that he said he was going to write at the end of the movie, he did actually write. Okay, yes. Um, and then someone, uh, it, it says here uh, that uh, that uh, James Vanderbilt, he had read the book because he grew up in in uh, the Bay Area of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a he uh, had he had majored in uh, film and screenplay writing, so he wrote a script based off of it and pitched it to oh. Graysmith, to which they ended up making a movie from. Oh, that's cool. Well, yeah, Zodiac's always been one of the first serial killers I ever learned about in my education of serial killers, <laughs> in my horror and true crime fashion. So I thought it was a good movie. I didn't know it was going to be that long but it was I think it was really kind of if you read or like watch documentaries on the actual killings it's pretty true to that I always love these movies because there's always a moment in them where you just like oh my gosh you were so close like they always bring the guy in for questioning or like they get stopped at a traffic stop or these just like in the um imposter like back in the day bureaus of policing didn't um connect or didn't share information um so i feel like serial killers kind of have like a a loophole to go through as long as they didn't keep killing in the same district but uh i also kind of like to learn about what makes people tick and why they're like that so i found it it was a good movie if i had started watching it earlier I wouldn't have been so tired, but overall, I I liked it. Like 1 p.m. Yeah, like you guys started at 9 a.m. 9 (laughs) a.m. First, you know, got your coffee and your your bagel and and a cereal. Take an intermission for a nap at like 1030. (laughs) (laughs) What's actually interesting about what you said about it staying so true to the actual case is that actually... um, uh, David uh, Fincher, the director, um, Vanderbilt, the the writer of the original um, screenplay and the producer, spent 18 months conducting their own investigation based off of the evidence that was found in the original case so that they were fully immersed in what the case was. Not have wanted to have their dreams for those 18 months because... <laughs> That's pretty good. That's actually cool to know because, yeah, I feel like it stayed pretty true to you. It wasn't like over exaggerated or anything like that. It was really well done that way. And Kat was around during that time. So, I mean, she would. I was. I heard a story about it from an old man I met on the street. I think his name was Steve. (laughs) Touche. Mostly just ramblings. I I deserve that. So, (laughs) (laughs) but like in the 80s and early on there were so many serial killers that were prevalent and I believe it was because of DNA not being um, up to speed as well as the bureaus of policing 
not being as connected as they are right now because you're always like, we're the serial killers of today. Maybe people just got lazy, but it's with all of the new technology and stuff like that, that it's been really, people have been able to be caught a lot faster. That's not me encouraging anyone to be a, become a serial killer. Screenfish does not endorse the <laughs> news of, of Getting off your lazy butt and just killing multiple <laughs> in creative ways. But if you are, you need to start an OnlyFans to be able to <laughs> right. promote. We're back to the OnlyFans, man. It's that's that's, that's the next dark horror movie. Old, like, remember Cam Girl or like Unfriended? Now it's going to be like OnlyFans murder mystery movie. <laughs> but not on Screenfish. That will. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think we'd watch half of these movies on Screenfish. <laughs> The net is getting wider. Get the, it? The net right. is fishing. My mistake. My mistake. <laughs> uh, Daniel, JT, what do you think? Oh, uh, you're going to have to turn on your <laughs> turn uh, on the Daniel bot. or JT voice. <laughs> Riley. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Give me a second. Yeah. I, I enjoyed <laughs> the film. It, <laughs> If we're doing JT first, I need to talk like I'm talking into a pillow, so. <laughs> um, so, uh, well, I, uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I will throw out a warning. Um, this movie is not about Geminis and Scorpios <laughs> and Libras. Um, I didn't understand no, yeah. my horoscope at all at the end of this movie. I'm <laughs> right? <laughs> um. No, I thought it was good. Um, I definitely like heard about the Zodiac Killer before, um, but like never really went and, and looked into it. Um, I did know about this movie, and I, I had it like kind of on my list to watch. Um, so I'm glad that I, I got the chance to with all of you. Um, but yeah, it was good. I thought, I mean... You know, when it's based off of a, a true story and, you know, I guess from what I'm, hear what I'm hearing from, like, some of you guys, it's, like, pretty well, uh, you know, similar to what actually happened. It's not, you know, doesn't over-exaggerate things and whatever. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like there, I don't really have a lot to say. Like, I, I enjoyed it. it. You know, I like thriller movies I, I like having to kind of you know think about what's happening um yeah I, overall i i enjoyed it i don't think there was anything in particular that i was like oh you know they should have done this differently or you know the the writing seems bad in this part or whatever um i thought the acting was was really good they had a good cast um but yeah overall i liked it it was it was a pre MCU uh, cast. I mean, yeah, it's, not that they, it's not that they were no names, far from it. But it's funny to see uh, the three of them. Well, I guess two two of them became Avengers. One of them uh, was only in one movie, but it's kind of funny. Mind you, everyone's in the MCU. We might be in the MCU right now. We I have, I have no idea. Um. <laughs> um it's a very David Fincher movie, um, and 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 
the second one we've had in this season of movies you missed. What was the other one? The Social Network is David Fincher. Oh, oh. look at his range. That's he. Uh, he yeah, from from a sociopath to serial killers, he's it's a broad net. Not from sociopath to sociopath. <laughs> That's right. Broad, you know, wide variety. Um, but it's a in very the boardroom good, and in the streets. <laughs> David Fincher does not like sunlight. I'm convinced he lives in his, in a basement somewhere. Um, but his films, even even the ones that aren't as good as other ones, are always interesting. I find like there hasn't been a David. There's been David Fincher movies that I liked more than others, but there there have not been any that I didn't that didn't interest me that I've seen. Um, and and I thought this was really well done. I thought it was really well done. I I thought it was, again, yeah. I admit, little long. It and I it, it's funny. It's not the length. It's how it feels. Like you can sometimes I can watch a three hour movie and think it took you know twenty minutes. Sometimes I can watch a ninety minute movie and feel like I've been there for six hours. Um, but uh, and and Fincher movies are often very slow. Um, try you know just let people sit in the the crap that is their life. Um, but I do that I on the daily. I don't want to pay to do that. <laughs> what did you? What did you want? Like a clown? Like what? <laughs> hey, maybe he should do uh, the John Wayne Gacy one movie. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Um, if if David Fincher put like a clown into this, um. <laughs> All right. All right. You said it. Now it's OnlyFans. <laughs> T, what did you think of this rom-com? Pretty romantic. It's a good date movie. Just a lonely guy trying to find someone and getting rejected. <laughs> and honestly, I'm glad he keeps getting away. He's gonna find someone who really cares about him. He's still out there searching. <laughs> Why does no one come to Lover's Lane anymore? <laughs> Where's a guy supposed to meet a girl to kill? Once again, Screenfish does not endorse creeping <laughs> <laughs> around Lover's Lanes to find that special <laughs> or a piece of them. <laughs> Ooh. Gosh. Um, that was pretty good, though. Um, I did like how they tried to incorporate all the different like theories behind who it was, yeah, and like what went wrong in the investigation and stuff. It felt like it was trying to be a documentary in the way it was like what happened, um, but then you know it's dramatized for film. But yeah, I thought it was pretty good. And then I, in the end, it seems like they're pointing towards. Well, and also the evidence, of course. It's that guy who worked at the, what's it called? The, the place or whatever. And then it seems like it was two people, which was really interesting. Um, but yeah, overall, pretty good. Well done. And Jake Gyllenhaal did really good acting in it as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, they they do sort of point towards that one guy at the end. And a lot of people do still think that it is that guy or or he is at least involved who was but, it again David uh, 
No, it wasn't David Berkowitz. That's a different guy. Uh, John Benet Ramsey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was not. Um, Ray Smith? Uh, no, that's, that's Gyllenhaal. No, it's uh, John Carroll Lynch. Oh, right. Yeah. That's what I said. I think he did the killings, and then the other, the weird guy from the movie theater did all the writing and stuff. Gary like little... Francis Posty? Yeah, yeah. creepy guy. Creepy guy. Yeah, a lot of people still think it was him, but I, they said something at the end of the movie. I can't remember exactly the wording, but so, something along the lines that they, because obviously this this case, for anyone who doesn't know, is still open. It is still an active investigation. Um, it's not been closed. Uh, and they, I believe they said something like in, they ran the, the oh. off of the the crime scenes again with the updated technology and it none of the dna matched him mm. yeah it says the end like at the end of the movie the text reads as follows following mike magow's identification of arthur lee allen authorities scheduled a meeting to discuss charging him with the murders allen suffered a fatal heart attack before this meeting could take place yeah but so he was the main guy, and he died. Howard. Yeah, he knew it was coming. I just, I just looked it up here. I uh, just, just to double check, and it says here that um, even, <laughs> even though they, um, question uh, Alan uh, before he died. Um, when they, when they ran the DNA and the fingerprints again, the fingerprints didn't match. So it's all just circumstantial evidence. Or did he burn off his fingerprints like a lot of people do? Mm. Not that he didn't have fingerprints. I just didn't matter. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, <laughs> burn off your fingerprints, dummy. <laughs> Who is it, Dad? Maybe it's one of you. <laughs> you. Well, listener, listener imagine the Zodiac home. Killers in a, in a uh, senior's home somewhere going, it was. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's uh he's got a Google alert set to Zodiac and he's watching this right now and he's like, hey, I think three the- times he appears. Damn it, you've got me. You figured out the clue. <laughs> what what do you think about the way that Fincher depicts the world? Like I I feel like this is an interesting one because it just feels so hopeless to me. Now that's not uncommon for Fincher, but uh, I was just wondering what you thought about about that i feel like for the time that it was it's pretty relevant it's pretty relevant like the world just sucked back in the 1970s is that what you're saying (laughs) no but they everything they talked about and did and made it look like was how it was back then i suppose yeah, I, I don't even think he was trying to, I, I think it wasn't that he made the world seem depressing or anything. I just, I, I think he just sort of was just realistic with it. Mm. You know, like, e- even with like, uh, what was uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, character's name? I forget. Um, when he got, when he got fired from his job after not being unable to finish the case and stuff, how, you know, they, they didn't try and like, they, they didn't harp on the fact that, you know, he became like a 
absolutely raging alcoholic afterwards they just sort of they, they said it and stated it and left it as fact and just sort of you know they didn't try and dramatize anything with how crap life is they just sort of were kind of just honest with it yeah that, that was actually sort of what i was thinking of too because i think it's not very often that you see one of the heroes sort of give up in a movie like mm-hmm. i mean i mean gyllenhaal doesn't iron man yeah <laughs> what a quitter uh, <laughs> it was before he figured out how to make his suit that's actually what got him sober <laughs> oh my god that would be an amazing crossover <laughs> This, yeah, the films are connected. This was a prequel. Um, it's actually what drove Mark Ruffalo to become the Hulk as well. He was, you know, just pure rage. Well, I mean, hey, if you go on to uh, Disney Plus into the Spider-Verse section of Marvel, there is Phineas and Ferb on there because there's a few episodes they did with Marvel characters. There you go. There you go. But no, I, I, I just thought it was really interesting. Like, I think that's interesting that you, you brought up Downey's character because I think in this particular film, that was something that caught my attention. It's just a simple thing, but it's so rare in mainstream film just to see one of the heroes just be like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm out. And not like come back at the end with a heroic hurrah. Like there's just, th- this film, I mean, much of F- Fincher's, work if not all is is very bleak uh, but this one just seemed so bleak to me and I, I don't know whether that's realism or whether that's just like i mean in this case it might be because this is a historical historical case but dang it's just like oh oh it goes oh, back to the good old boys in like detectives and like the police station and stuff like that right like it was very male-centered mm-hmm. And things like drinking at your desk were allowed or not spoken of or anything. Like, I don't know if it was bleak to me. I feel like it was just like what Riley said. They didn't um, hype anything up or make it look worse than it was. But it was just like, this was the reality of being a detective during this time. You didn't see your family. You did work to nonstop. And a lot of times you didn't get to figure out who who did it in the end. Like I watch a lot of these documentaries where um, detectives get pulled back in on cases that were happening years after retirement to ask about like what's happened and they finally get to see that ending or understand that people are still working on this. But in those days you would burn out or become an alcoholic or get a divorce and you would, or move up in the chain and you would never know but you'd have that glory of being like, my name was on that case. I think it also was slightly deliberate in the fact that like, you know, as I'm thinking back on it, you know, Downey's character wasn't the only one that gave up. Mm-hmm. Ruffalo's arguably did as well. Yeah. Right. Like, or the, like pretty much like what, like the last third of the movie, it was only um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character that was really investigating it actively. They had all given up, and I feel like I feel like that sort of bleakness might have been done even slightly on purpose. In the fact that you know the the truth of the matter is is that the case never got solved. 
no matter what any of them did, the case never got solved, which arguably is a very bleak outcome for a movie. And that, that was actually one of the things when they originally pitched it that s- studios had an issue with was the such unconclusive ending. And they don't get their nice, tidy, little wrapped up package of a movie. Yeah. So why would they have a Robert Downey Jr. heroic comeback at the end when that's not what happened? And why would they have, you know, Ruffalo's character be pulled back and have a b- massive brainwave where they have one of those like spinning camera shots as they're like thinking <laughs> all of that when that didn't happen, right? Yeah, what do we, what do you, I'm just asking as we're talking about it, what do we do with an ending like that? Like I found reality. Like, so man, reality sucks. Like, I'm not talking about the facts of the case. I'm just talking about, like, when you walk out of that film, like, what do we do with that? We just sit there and say, you solve the case. <laughs> that's, that's right. And now it's up to you next time on America's <laughs> Most Wanted. <laughs> I think it's good in the sense that, like, everyone knows the case. There's no, like, big spoilers unless you've been living under a rock or... True crime's not your thing, which is the same thing to me. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just kidding. But it, it, like, look at and it goes with the genre of movie. Like, look at the end of Silence of the Lambs. Like, that wasn't a happy-go-lucky ending. Seven. Uh, anyone <laughs> remember the end of that movie? That was the that was a bleak and like horrific. I've never seen it. Oh, put that oh. on your list, my friend. Oh, that never is seen seven. I, I really... Next week on screen, <laughs> <laughs> he meets Brad Pitt and never watches a movie again. <laughs> it took me. Uh, I I didn't see Fight Club for like two years. Close his eyes for a week. Yeah, it's it's just even that genre of movie at that time. If you line it up with other ones, they all left very bleak endings because you know what? Sometimes life just isn't fair. I mean, I mean, it's true. I, I can't argue with that. Um, sometimes reality sucks. Bites. <laughs> reality bites. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah. Different type of movie. Um, but uh, you know, and 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 I'm glad that the although that hardware scene, that hardware store scene at the end, I'm like, oh. Oh no! What happened? Jake Gyllenhaal stares down the guy he thinks is the Zodiac killer in the uh, in the hardware store. Oh! And then he just leaves, and he writes a book, and it's like, I I know what you did last summer. Um, but well, that's what he told and his the wife. summer before that, and the summer. No. That's what he told his wife, right? When, when, well, his ex-wife, when she said, when is this all going to be over? He said, when I'm able to look the man in the eyes and know that he's the one who did it, even if so not. Do you, do you think the real detective is out there as a ghost still hunting to look in the face of the Zodiac killer? <laughs> yeah. That's his uh, I think too, like, it wasn't so much the ending that was the point. It was the investigation hmm. and seeing how all these little things can um, 
like connect together and knit together and how close you can come to something and then it get, just gets away from you. And wasn't the person who figured out the, okay, Jake Gyllenhaal was the one who figured out the cipher and he was just a cartoonist. Yeah. Sorry? Go ahead, Jake. Out because he was a nerd. Oh yeah, that too. But like, and like all these detectives are struggling over this and it was, it was a regular person. And then who was the other one in his wife? Or was that the cartoonist in his wife? That figured oh, out? like the science teacher or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, the science teacher. That was a real person. I remember reading about him. But, well, but they're, did he they're figure they're all real people, Kat. <laughs> did this but, really happen? Yeah. <laughs> did, did he actually figure out the cipher, though? Because I thought the whole point of the cipher was that his the guy put his name in there to like taunt them and then they yeah like they figured out. out pieces of it and they were able to to get patterns from it but i don't think they were ever to the thing was was when he sent those ciphers which by the way can i say it's just a really interesting part of the case i think it's one of my mm-hmm. favorite parts one of the most interesting parts for me is the ciphers and the letters that he sent but he sent three different ciphers yeah different news art and news sources only one i believe was ever solved so some people think that he actually did put his name in them and it was either that the first one was translated wrong or that there was like a secondary translation to it or that his name was in one of the other Yeah, because there were three paper, there were th- letters that were sent to three papers containing a different part of the cipher. So that was the thing too, right? And it was uh, it was simpler than later efforts. The first one, but then they said that um, a team of code breakers decided to crack the code specifically because they knew it would be a challenge in two thousand and twenty-one. No. Just last year? They used software. Yeah, like they uh, they used software to help them break the cipher by finding as many as possible reading directions that it could be going. And if the cipher was transpositional, by sheer luck, they found the one solution for how it could be transposed. And then there was just fragments that said, hope you are trying to catch me or the gas chamber. And it gave them clues. Oh, wow, this is really interesting. Yeah, it is an incredibly interesting case. And the more you look into it, the more stuff you find out. Oh, wow. This FBI confirmed the solution and it was on Twitter. So it was 2020. Oh, that means that it's real. They solved it and tweeted it. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) The FBI tweets because they were just doing it to like these guys are like computer people. And they were just trying to do it. And it turned out the cipher said, I hope you're having lots of fun and trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I'm not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else is nothing when they reach paradise. But paradise is spelled P-A-R-A-D-I-C-E. So they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know what my new life is. Life will be an easy one in paradise death. But what's the tweet here? Yeah, it, it's it's still trying to be solved. That's what's so interesting about it. I know there was uh, 
I don't know. Uh, probably Steve or Kat wouldn't know, but maybe Daniel or JT would. There was a group of people on TikTok about a year ago who were who created a group to try and solve one of the ciphers that were was unsolved. Like it's still a really case in true crime sort of circles, just for the simple fact that it's well, it it is single handedly the most infamous on American. Well, I mean, they based the the Batman on it, the new the new version of the Riddler, um, which as nonsense. It, what? When did that come out? Riddler in March. Is that just the straight to TV one? Oh, yeah. There was a Batman movie mm-hmm. with Robert Pattinson and the Riddler. Oh, I did not watch that. It, it's you. You might like it. But uh, a, a vampire as Batman? Well, he was good. Anyway, that's another story. Interesting. Uh, anyways, um, but they based the Riddler on on the Zodiac Killer, um, and he's he's much more cryptic than you know Jim Carrey or the old TV show where you know they they give riddles like what ways what ways an ounce, two ounces and sits in a tree A spare, and is very dangerous. A sparrow with a machine gun. You know, it's not like that. Um, but no, he's using ciphers and more cryptic styles of yeah. riddles. Um, this inspired a bunch of stuff. It was also uh, the, the show um, Dirty Harry was also based off of it as well. Dirty Harry was based off this? Really? Yeah. It loosely based, but still was inspiration for it as well. I did not know that. Because that was one of the things that, you know, you, you guys mentioned, you know, of course, it's, it's a long, long movie. And you, and you were right, Steve, about it. It's, it's also partly to be how it's paced. And that was one of the other things that people were saying is, you know, they were worried because there wasn't those action scenes or those faces or anything like that and and the thing that um that fincher said was that he didn't want to make another dirty harry Mm. so yeah he 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 wanted it to be like this Mm. um yeah well he i i was just i just saw on wikipedia that he remembers it happening from his childhood yeah Um, there there's a the, the quote here is he says i remember coming home and saying the and saying the highway patrol had been following our school buses for a couple of weeks now and my dad who worked from home and who was very dry not one to soft pedal things turned slowly in his chair and said oh yeah there's a serial killer who has killed four or five people who calls himself zodiac who's threatened to take a high-powered rifle and shoot out the tires of a school bus and then shoot the children as they come off the bus um so that's fun. That actually did happen, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah, it was in the movie. But I'm saying he was on he was on one of the buses, and he remembers that from his childhood. Yeah. Um, what a father son bonding moment, though. Can I just say, you know, beautiful, truly. <laughs> you know, parents don't spend as much time with their kids as they used to. <laughs> quality time, and and yeah, you I, just wonder I, how Fincher has made I, movies about this stuff. What's that? 
I said, I personally can say my dad has never told me I'm going to get shot off of a bus. So, you know, what does that say about nowadays? That's just bad parents. Neglectful. Yeah. <laughs> Don't live in America. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Well, hey. Uh, <laughs> to all our American viewers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> say that with sadness in our hearts. Um Canada's next, so. Um, hmm. Is there is there anything else that we want to talk about this? Like, is there anything like? Are I? Uh, sorry, Riley, were you gonna say something there? No. no. I just wondered if there was anything else that anybody else wanted to say about about the film. If you're interested in true crime, you should watch it. And if you're not interested in true crime, what are you living for anyways? <laughs> Marvel movies. <laughs> I was only I only I was only interested in the Zodiac when I found out that they made they uh, they put it about Batman. They once they made Batman about it, I was like, wow, this is fascinating. Nope. Spoiler alert: Mercury's in retrograde. <laughs> Well, I guess the question lies then, is this a movie to be missed? I I picked it. I don't think it's necessarily a movie to miss. Uh, just even if you're not a true crime person, just, just for the sake of how this case uh, uh, in, influenced so much and how prevalent this case is and how shocking that you know they, i mean this the the killing started in the 60s and you know we're now in 2022 and it still hasn't been solved you know and just for that fact um so i say it's a really good movie and i don't think you should miss it and if you think differently it doesn't matter because bbc's critic poll in 2016 said it was the 12th greatest film of the 21st century so what yeah what i wouldn't yeah. get that far well, that's what the 2016 critics poll done by BBC said. I so useless to that. I I wouldn't go that far. But okay. Rank it that high. What was that? I said the Zodiac killer paid them for rank it that high. <laughs> it's uh yeah he he uh, he he paid for bots again. It's back to the bots. It's uh, he just sent letters. Well, I, I thought it was great. Uh, I don't think it's the 12th greatest film of the 21st century. Um, that's uncomfortable. But I do think that, uh, I do think it was really good. Uh, you know, it's long. Um, and it is, it's it's not, there's not a lot to, to, to see in, in terms of like, like you said, he didn't want to make Dirty Harry. He made a, a riveting, character-driven, you know, psychological uh, thriller. But uh, no, I thought it was good. I don't think I think it's worth it's worth checking out. I don't think it's to be missed. What about the rest of you? Um, yeah, I mean, if you like true crime, psych thrillers, um, even if you've just kind of like heard about the case and maybe like you know have some interest in it, but don't want to go and like read a bunch of articles or whatever, I think this is a good. Um, you know, it's a good watch. You get a lot of information um, that, again, from my understanding,
understanding is is true. Um, if you don't like true crime or or super long movies or whatever, then obviously you're a troglodyte. So, word of the day. Ah! <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think it's a it's a good one to watch. Um, yeah, I don't remember what the the opposite of of miss it is. See it. Don't miss. We just don't. Said, yeah, don't miss it. I swear we had like a little term. Was isn't like something? Screen or, it. Screen, screen it or skip it. Screen yeah. Skip it. But yeah, I guess you could do that. Yeah. Screen it. JT. Yeah, I would say the same. I would say see it and it, prepare for it. It's a long movie. Get snacks, but. If you enjoyed movies such as Seven and Silence of the Lambs and The Bone Collector, you'll enjoy this as well. Well, JT, what do you think? That's pretty good. Pretty interesting. Uh, entertaining. Um, I don't know if you, if you would say you could skip it or not, or screen it. Um, I could go with either. I guess it's a mystic for me, but at the same time, I'm, I did, I am glad I saw it because mm. it was interesting. I don't know. I'm on the fence. I'll choose. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's no Wolf of Wall Street. No. It's not. I'm still just trying to figure out Jason's movie. <laughs> <laughs> The, the big like, yeah when they would have the celebrities come in to dumb it down i'd still be like <laughs> what that's an intelligent movie right there um well i mean there it is there it is and uh thank you riley for bringing that pick uh and for giving us uh, giving or leading us, us in discussion and, and helping us with that of course, uh, the 12th greatest film of the 21st century in 2016, at least. I can't, I can't subscribe to that. I wonder what they would say in 2022. Anyway, um, we will be back next week. We're for Daniel's pick. Uh, we, we look forward to finding out what that will be. It, it could be, I have a feeling it's going to be very different than the trends that we've gotten so far. And I am looking forward to it. I'm here for it. Uh, a reminder, you can find us wherever podcasts are available, uh, and you can like and subscribe to us on YouTube. We always appreciate that. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you all for being a part of this. And remember, it's not about, it's not, oh, I always <laughs> mess this up. Every time I mess it's this up. It's not about the length. It's about how it feels. <laughs> okay. It's not about the movies you miss. It's about the movies that matter. To you. Yeah. To you. Not to you. <laughs> <laughs> I still think it makes more sense with to you. But anyway, uh, um, we'll see you next week. <laughs> goodbye. And cut.